Hey y'all, welcome to Wild Confidence. I'm your host, Ainsley B, and I can't wait to share with you some amazing guests on this season of the podcast. Our goal here is to help one another find, keep, and share our wild confidence in Christ. I'm so thankful you're joining us, and if you love the episode today, I'd be so grateful if you left a review or shared it with a friend. All right, all right, let's hop in. I can't wait to meet our guest today. What's up, friends? Welcome back to Wild Confidence. We have a fun episode today. My friend Ariana is with us today. Ariana, tell us a little bit about yourself and this episode. All right. Hi, y'all. My name is Ariana, and I live in New York City, but I'm from the South. I joke with people and say that I'm from LA, but really it's lower Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Um, But I moved to the city three years ago because of a job offer for my husband. He's a worship pastor. And then I took a job with the campus ministry I've been with for the last six years. Um, But starting three months ago, I realized that it was time for a change. And I ended up putting in resignation for my job before I knew that my husband was going to get laid off. So mm-hmm. it thrust us into a dual job hunt <laughs> and I was Wild. questioning everything. And so I reached out to you on Instagram and said, can you tell me how you did the thing that you're doing now? <laughs> and then I was like, yes. And can we just make this a podcast episode? Because I've gotten the questions before about it and let's just record our conversation. Incredible. And here we are. Yes. Yep. <laughs> So I get to be the interviewee and you get to be the interviewer today. So hit me. Okay. I asked uh, chat GPT on the bus ride over here what to ask you. I gave it um, our Instagram message and asked me, it said, unfortunately, because it's AI, it doesn't have personal experiences, but it would ask these questions about career journeys. (laughs) That is hilarious. So um, here's one question. Um, Yeah. Could you describe two pivotal moments that led you to where you are now in your career? Ooh, that is, that is a really, wow, ChatGPT, you're so smart. I love ChatGPT so much. Um, Yes. Okay. The first, I think, being whenever I was in a job in New York City and I knew that I wasn't doing what I really wanted to do. And it didn't feel like this big thing. It was just like this heart tug. I was like, oh, this isn't totally fulfilling, but I couldn't figure out like exactly what that would look like. Mm -hmm. So I still had this big question mark of what am I going to really do with my life? But I was in a position in New York. And Mm -hmm. when that position ended, it was like a three month kind of thing. I had realized that I had really been through the ringer those three months. Like I had just, it was just trial after trial after trial, but I learned to stand up for myself, to vocalize and to not be so passive with Mm. what I want to do, how I want to do it and who I want to do it with, you know, when it comes to my career. And that was a very big gift that was absolutely absolutely torturous, but mm. it allowed me to follow that tug. Mm-hmm. I think that that was whenever I was like, okay, hundred percent, I need to go with my gut. I need to vocalize more, and I need to share more because that was 
I was just like internalizing so much and I was very polite whenever I didn't need to be. I think there's a difference. I guess I should say, I think there's a difference between polite and passive, especially when you're from the South and you're in, well, this is obviously very specific to you, but it really is across the board because whenever I have mentees um, and we go through career stuff, I'm like, give yourself more credit, vocalize what you want and go after the things that feel like crazy because if wow. you don't, you're never going to know if you actually could have done it or not, you know? So I'm like, put it on your resume. If you think it has a shred of credibility, put it on your resume. Um, wow. Anyway, so I think that was a pivotal point. And I think the next pivotal point was when I realized that getting a publishing deal wasn't the goal. It, it, I thought it was the goal. I thought that, I thought that getting a publishing deal was it. Like I was like, that is going to make me feel like I have made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I'm like, uh, absolutely not. The goal is to get this book into the hands of the people who need it. And if I do what I'm doing for anything other than the love of doing it, I'm not, I'm going to burn out. Mm-hmm. So I wish I would have, con- I'd done the things uh, parallel, right? I wish I would have known that just the love of doing the thing and the project and then sharing the message is okay to do while working on your quote unquote day job, because I think I would have done it more. And I think Mm. I would have understood that it's okay for it to be a passion in tandem of actually making more money. And I say that because there's a lot of pressure whenever you're doing it full time, when you're doing the passion Mm. full time, there's more pressure Mm. Mm -hmm. to to make the actual dollars. But if you have the the job where you're like, okay, I'm making the actual dollars for these hours of the day. And then for these hours of the day, I'm actually, you know, pursuing this passion. It takes the pressure off of the passion and you're able to just run with the passion a little more freely. And then Mm -hmm. if you can get this, it's kind of like an airplane taking off, right? If you can Uh get that passion with enough momentum to then make it make sense for the airplane to take off, then you won't feel as much pressure whenever you make that transition. Hmm. But I am just a really stubborn person. I learn everything the hard way. And um woman after my heart. Yeah. I'm like now I'm saying that I hope that makes sense, but it does. I heard like some themes. So I think I heard somewhere in there this idea around expectations that others have for you and yeah. you have for yourself. You didn't directly say that, but I hear that around the sure. voca- vocalizing words, vocalizing mm-hmm. your needs. Um, then you also talked about, uh, what was it? Uh, virtue or like politeness versus yeah. passive. What was it? Polite, passive versus polite. So I've been reading this book this summer as a part of like, I, before I knew that I was going to need to hop into a job hunt way faster than I thought. I invited like a couple of my girlfriends who are also transitioning in their careers and dreaming for what was next to go through the artist's way together. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, cool. Uh-uh. 
It's a book by Julia Cameron. I don't think she's Christian, but she talks about a creator. I'm going to write <laughs> so, it down. Yes. And she talks about this exact thing that you were dealing with, which Ooh. is like the virtue trap is what she calls it. So this is her quote. We strive to be good, to be nice, to be helpful, to be unselfish. We want to be generous of mm-hmm. service for the world. But what we really want is to be left alone where we can <laughs> abandon ourselves Um, we may look like we've even gotten there. We may act like we were there, but our true self has gone to the ground as we deny our own needs to be virtuous. What is left is a shell of our whole self. It stays because it's caught like a Mm. listless circus animal prodded into performing. It does its tricks. It goes through the routine. It earns its applause, but we are dead to our artists within. (laughs) (gasps) That's so real. Wow. She said it so much more beautifully. (laughs) That's so real. That's her job. (laughs) But yeah, so we spent like a whole hour diving into that together, freaking out about how this virtue trap makes us do things because we think they're good things, but then our hearts aren't even in them. Right. So how did you learn to hear what your voice sounded like within and to act on and vocalize your voice to others? Oh, that's a great question. I think that the Holy Spirit was a huge helper, obviously. God says, Mm -hmm. I'll send you a helper. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. Because I just knew that I was, here's the thing. If I'm anxious, I know that something's off. And Mm -hmm. either, either that's within the relationship or within myself. Because God did not give us a spirit of fear. And I know that some anxiety is more severe and does need, you know, medication and medical attention, which mine used to. And Mm. then I realized that I was, it was, I was anxious because I was operating in fear. (laughs) And when I repented of that, because I heard someone say one time that fear is one of the most tolerated sins of the church. And I was like, oh man, because it's taller. I'd never repented of fear in my life. I mean, just never have. I've repented of all these other things, you know, that but are so black and white, but fear got me. And I was like, okay. And let me tell you, I just have never had more peace since that mm-hmm. moment. And then, I, and so your anxiety is that indicator of like, hey, let's recenter, let's recenter. Or it's also a trigger of your flat fight or flight. So are you in a place that you should be? Are you in a place that you shouldn't be? I was so anxious in that initial job in New York that I should not have been there. I should have left a lot sooner and I should have paid attention to that. Then I moved into another role in New York. I wasn't as anxious, but there was definitely still some anxiety there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we moved from New York to Houston. I get into a job in Houston no anxiety whatsoever, none. And I realized this was my dream job. I was doing my dream job. And it was the being a high school minister at a church. And I loved every second of every day that I was there. I would have probably never left had my husband's (laughs) job not uprooted us and moved us to Baton Rouge, which then kind of catapulted me into okay, now you're full-time writing, you're full-time doing this because unless, 
unless you want to go back into like something like retail or sales, but now I've already known, now I've seen this passion. I've gotten a glimpse of like, no, this is the dream. I know for um, a fact without a shadow of a doubt that this is what I want to be doing. So then that really lit a fire under me to say, okay, my passion now has to take off. You know, it was on the runway and now it's time to take off. Um, Did you say, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. that was just whenever the book stuff started to come together at that mm-hmm. time. Wow. Did you ever take time in between that three month stint and then the next job or even that job and your move to Houston or your move to Baton Rouge? Did you ever take time to look back and, and see where you felt most alive, where you felt most anxious? Like, did you do any formal process like that? Yes, because I realized it was in those kind of breaks that I would, it's kind of like dating whenever you like leave a relationship and you're like, okay, I liked this and I liked that, but I didn't like this. So next time I'm going to look for this and not that. (laughs) You're healthier than me. I think when I first break up with someone back in the day, it was, they stink. They're the worst (laughs) ever. It's all on them. And then maybe like two weeks later, I can think about it clearly. Oh yeah. I'm not saying that's immediate. I'm just thinking (laughs) that's one of those things that helps me think about it and process it because I realized like I don't like to work by myself I like to be on a team and that's something that Mm -hmm. is important to know in whatever Mm -hmm. you're going to do so Jamie is someone I work with now who I'm I worked with at the church and um work with now as well and I realized okay not only do I like to work as a team, but this is what I like in my teammate. So the Enneagram was such a big uh, self-awareness tool for that too, but Mm. it allowed me to be like, okay, let me figure out who I work best with and, Mm. and what that looks like. And then, okay, what did I like about that role? What did I not like about that role? Because as I'm going, I'm picking up all of these things like to build my own thing. Right. So Mm. a lot of times I think we, and I was guilty of this is like, this is not where I want to be. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to like give it my all or pay attention. I'm going to just keep working to where I want to be. But the truth is, is that where you are will always sharpen you for where you're going. It just is like, how? It's just, you have to figure out how. So in New Mm. York, the first job sharpened me in my spirit and in my like spunk and in my sass. Like I was able to be Mm. like, no, this is what I like. And this is what I don't like. And this is how you're going to treat me. And this is how you're not going to treat me. Then in the second role, I was able to, to appeal to different people. And that was kind of where, because I was in sales. So I had to figure out, well, what gifts do I have? Or what is this sharpening? And that really sharpened being on a team because if one of the teammates wasn't there, we had to cover for that teammate. Okay, well, then I realized I really do like being on a team. And then at the church, I'm like, not only do I realize I like to be on a team and I'm able to vocalize, but now I know this is what I like to focus on. Wow. So I I think that that stuff is important to like take where you are, not constantly hoping and planning for where you're going, but soaking in where you are while also just taking mental notes and yes, taking little steps forward, but don't dread mm-hmm. where you are because of what it, yeah. the gifts that you can bring into the future. I wish I would have known that. Oh, I wish I would have known that. 
Yes. Yeah. No, actually like an image came up for me yesterday in counseling because I asked her some of these questions and we've been working all summer on me trying to grow my voice because that's been a big reason that I've stayed places for so long is because I haven't vocalized mm-hmm. and fear, 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 fear. The passage that Jesus got me with this summer and I was like, sneaky Jesus, man, sneaky yeah. Jesus was like in May, I had to prep this passage for our like uh, college camp that we do. And it was, we were going to take our leaders through Luke five, where he calls James and John. Mm -hmm. And I was studying the passage on my own, just reading it. And immediately I felt like Jesus was like, Ariana, if I told you to throw your nets on the other side, and then I filled your boat. So for me, it was always fundraising with university. He's like, if I filled your boat and then I walked somewhere else, if you stayed in the boat, you wouldn't be following me. Would you follow me? And I'm like, what? You're going to walk somewhere else? I thought we were doing this <laughs> ministry, Jesus. What are you doing? Freaking out here. So yeah. I I realized in that moment with that conversation with him, if I had ignored him, I would have chosen to stop following Jesus. Mm. Not to like stop following Jesus. In no, I know what you mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I was, I would not be, <laughs> not be listening. So there was a thought <laughs> that, okay, the image that came up in counseling around that is this idea you're talking about about like, there's all these different moments and some of us just don't see them and we don't pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked her like, how do you know how to, where you're like getting to your calling? And I felt like the Lord gave me an image immediately of like me as a little girl standing outside of a picket fence. And there's like a yard and in the yard that I'm standing on the other side of the fence is my like purpose. And it's mm. happening. And like, God is like delighting in it. And I can hear even like my own laughter across the fence, but I'm standing with Jesus. And we're like, as we walk closer and closer to the gate of the picket fence, I'm like seeing in between these little slats oh, and like yeah. peaks of what I'm good at or what I find joy in, but I don't get the whole picture until I get to walk through the gate. Yeah. That's an awesome picture and an awesome like analogy of everything. Because honestly, do we ever, I don't. I don't see. I don't know. I the, it like, broke I don't... down. The image broke down. I was like, is that heaven? Like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, because I really don't know that I will ever be like, yeah, this is, I have a hundred percent made it to whatever, mm-hmm. which, and maybe some people do get there, but I think just in our human nature, it's always something more. It's always something bigger because there was a time that I would look to where I am now and think, oh, you have made it. You are cream of the crop you're good to go Mm -hmm. and now I'm like I'm not even I don't feel like I'm even anywhere Mm. near where I Mm. think I want to be well then I feel like I'm just gonna have the same thought in five years in 10 years but the thing Mm -hmm. that I do think is that right now there's a lot of searching for calling and purpose and I think those are maybe two buzzwords that I always think but your only, our, our only calling and purpose is to share Jesus with other people. Yep. If it were up to him to define our calling and purpose, he already has. And that's <laughs> literally just the great commission. So for right. us, we are filling in these gaps. That's like, well, my mm-hmm. calling looks like this and my purpose looks like this. And that's not to say that your giftings could lend to X, Y, Z. That's why we are, we all have different roles and we all have different jobs and all of this. But like, I was thinking, you know, I want to tell 
like whenever we, I think I will be fulfilling my calling and purpose. If I just told Jesus, told this girl at the gas station about Jesus or told this girl in the grocery line Mm. about Jesus, like I would be fulfilling my calling and purpose, how to monetize that. You know, that's, (laughs) that's why I think the role uh, people might be sitting in and looking at their passion out the window, out the office window, let's say those two things can work in tandem because really, if you simplify it, Mm. take the pressure off by saying like, it doesn't have to look the way that you think it has to look as long as you're fulfilling your purpose. And when was the last time you told a stranger about Jesus? For me, that was the most convicting question. Oh, I love that. Not today, not yesterday, (laughs) not last week. And even like with the Holy Spirit, like I literally have had three different promptings in the last week that was like, Hey, go do this. Hey, go give, go give that girl a book, go give this person $5. That's all promptings of the Holy spirit to partner with you in your calling to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be, Hey, do you know about our savior? (laughs) Our Lord? (laughs) Like it doesn't have to be knocking on doors and doing that. It just needs to be these authentic moments within your life that you can be interruptible and share the gospel. That was a big tangent, but I just think that reframing calling and purpose a little bit is necessary for the, for whenever we think we failed. Ooh, I think. Yes. Yes. There was something you said and I got a little lost in my thoughts as I was trying to process what you were saying. Um, and I probably went down 17 different rabbit holes. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Um, hmm. So tell me a little bit about what you do. Because I follow you on Instagram. I've met you through a mutual friend online, mm-hmm. not in person. Maybe one day we'll get to go to the pool and hang out. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it exactly is it that you're doing now. So you post on Instagram, you coach still question mark, you mentor young women, you've written a book. Exactly what is your like makeup? Yes. And let me tell you, this took me so stinking long to like put into a <laughs> sentence. You're way, good. way longer than I ever wish it would have. And whenever I <laughs> did like all sentences then. <laughs> exactly. It really is. And so I I figured it out briefly or, you know, for now, we'll see if it evolves. But in a nutshell, I help young adults find their identity in Christ. So they're able to walk with a wild confidence in their purpose by way of writing books, podcast hosting, and Enneagram coaching. Incredible. That's my like little statement. But I do want to say one thing that I think everybody especially women could and should do. Well, I don't want to say you have to do this, but I'm just saying, I think you could. I highly encourage it is to whatever you're doing, especially if it's independent or like me, I work for myself, right. Is to raise your prices every year. Or if you work in an office, ask for a raise every year. Because the truth is, is that you just, even if it's just a little bit, like I might just raise my prices 25 or $50, depending on how much experience I gained that Mm. year in that specific thing. But you just had a year 
of working and growing your expertise. That's a lot of hours that you deserve a step up for. And if they say no, they say no, but like you at least are, the more you do that, the more you're like, I'm worth that. I am worth that. (laughs) And it's true. And that's how you're going to be able to build that foundation. So your passion plane can take off. Passion plane. We're going to need a t-shirt with passion plane. I don't know know how that analogy is still with us, but here it is. I love it. (laughs) Um, So Enneagram coaching, you said Mm -hmm. you were able to know what kind of people you wanted to work on a team with. Yeah. And also like what you brought to the team. Um, Yeah. Selfishly, I want to know, I am kind of in between a seven wing eight and an eight wing seven. It just all depends on the day and the mood and the amount of sleep I've had. Sure. Um, How would you coach me if you had five minutes? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it definitely depends on which one you actually are. So I would ask you to go through and figure out if you can't figure them out based on the core desire and core fear, then I would mm-hmm. go into the stress and growth paths and see if that clarifies okay. it for you. And it's then, probably seven. okay. Because also the triads, those are in the seven and the eight are in different triads. So That's evaluate right. what triad you're in. And then that'll answer the question for you. Okay. But if probably a seven, I would say, I would give you a lot of uh, freedom structurally. Like, I'm not going to pack you down with meetings Mm. in office. I'm going to give you the stuff that's like more um, physical. Like, I don't even know how to explain that. But let's say for me, I have all these orders for merch or whatever. My seven's going to pack those because they're physically moving and getting this static Mm. energy out. They're not sitting at a Mm. desk. But we can, because seven is so good at, um, they're just good at doing multiple things at once. We can talk while they're packing. Yes. So I would almost multitask in that way um, and give you the, the more energetic things to do. I would also not, I would know your limitation for a long meeting, right? Mm-hmm. So with my seven, I would have short to the point, happy beginning and ending meetings. Mm-hmm. With an eight, like with the eight, I would have fast to the point you're we're in and out. It's just mm. both of them are fast to the point, but yes, one has a lot of fluff and one doesn't. Um, yeah, I would say I lean probably towards the seven, but I, I think I'm a wing eight, so I'm I'm confident to push back on things. Perfect, that's great, and I love so. that because as a leader, that tells me I don't need to like ta ta you all the time. And we can get to business, but I am a two. So I need to be ta-ta. Like I need, I need you to pat me on the head and say, good job. I need you to say like, I loved when you did this. I loved when you do that, because then that tells me how you prefer me to either work for you or lead with you, with you, you know, like, um, every Enneagram type has their own thing. So like, I also know that a two will likely sacrifice, um, let's see, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. They want to do whatever will please their leader. Hmm. 
but it could be at the expense of like some details because they want it to be fast. They want to get it to their leader and be like, here, you needed this. Here it is. Mm -hmm. But they might sacrifice some details here and there. Right. So I just kind of need the, I need to just know these things about the people that I'm working with Mm -hmm. and then I can adjust accordingly. Quick question for you. Have you ever dated a boo-boo dude? If you don't know what that is, don't worry. A boo-boo dude is someone who leaves you on red, leaves you on the back burner, or leaves you wondering where you stand with them as a manipulation tactic. These kind of relationships can be, you know, anything from just unhealthy all the way to straight up abusive and you need to get out. So how do you identify this? What does that look like? All of this information and more, especially including how to help a friend who might be in one of these relationships is in the book that I put out recently called Don't Date a Boo-Boo Dude. It is found anywhere books are sold, Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, you know, all the places, all the things. I would love if you picked up the copy today and send me a message. Tell me what you think about it. And remember, don't date a boo-boo dude. So this is like jumping to a new thing. Uh, you went from not being sure of your voice and how to share it in a job setting to then writing a book that's literally sharing your voice with yeah. thousands of people. That feels like a massive jump. How did how did that process work? Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely had trial by fire. Mm-hmm. But because in the New York job, it was very harsh. And I mm-hmm. cried in the bathroom almost every day. Relatable. Um, zero tatang in in New York City. Well, from for one of the jobs. And then the other job I had an incredible manager and I even told him often like when I am a leader, I want to lead like you. I want to be managed. I want to manage people like you do because he's very he's able to listen really well. Um so I think that jump looked like Maybe there's like three moments along the way where you can point to your voice coming out more or. Yeah, I'm thinking I, here's the thing. If there's this fire in you that you need to share something with people, Mm. Mm. you're going to do it. It's just a matter of how you're doing it because you're just, it's going to naturally be a part of your makeup and it's going to start boiling to the surface. Right. But maybe it's at a coffee shop with someone that you end up sharing something, but you want to keep sharing it and keep sharing it, keep sharing it for, for me, (laughs) I wrote, don't date a boo-boo dude, because I was like, I cannot let this happen to other people. If I have anything to do about it, you know, I, I can't let someone go into a relationships and not know red flags and green flags and things to look for. And I need their friends to know this is what you can do whenever your friend is in this position. This is what, what you can do when your family member is in this position. And it's a pretty raw look at some of the stuff as much as it can be in a, you know, trade book. There's a lot of censorship that that's so funny that happened, but it's probably for the best because there's a difference between um, stage conversations and, or I should say platform conversations and coffee table conversations. Mm. Platform conversations need to be a little bit more general because you're casting a wide net. 
But those coffee table conversations can be very specific to the person, which is why I still yeah. love writing the books for the wider range, but I still love the coaching for the one-on-one. So it's I, I balance yeah. both. Yeah, I completely agree. That's been something I've had to learn. And it's been really, really difficult learning challenge for me is like, doing so much discipling one-on-one with college women and men. And then I got tapped and asked to start preaching two years ago. And I was like, do you want me to lead the big kids? Like I lead the kids who are like three years younger than me, not the years older than me people. Um, But trying to understand, because my pastor would always tell me like, you can preach. You just have to pretend that you're talking to that person at the coffee shop. And I'm like, yeah, you don't understand. I cannot say from this platform what I'd say. Yeah, (laughs) right. Exactly. It's not going to go over right. She's not, exactly. not going to understand it. Um, first of all, second of yeah, all, the nuance. Yeah. The nuance. Yeah. Um, I had a friend say to me this past year and it has kind of influenced this journey as well to my point of asking you help. Um, she said, find what makes you tick and what ticks you off. Yeah. And the two places like where those collide. And I feel like you did that. Like yeah. sharing Jesus makes you tick and it ticks you off when women date boo-boo dudes. Yeah. And that gets in the way of their faith. Correct. (laughs) But it also can lead them straight into the arms of Jesus. Like it did me, Yeah, you know, but this is the map this. So what I wrote was like, this is what happened. And this is how I found the Lord in that circumstance process. Yeah. And then this is how, this is the information that you need to know if your friend is in this situation and you don't want to abandon them. Mm. Wow. That's don't date a booboo dude. I mean, and then the podcast honestly just came out of this kind of me needing these kind of conversations because Mm -hmm. the podcast people ask me a lot, like, so like, what are your numbers? Like, how do you grow it? And I'm like, I'm going to tell you a secret. The podcast is selfish. The podcast is for me to learn. But then I'm like, but I want everybody else to learn too. So we can all learn together if we just invite these people to this place. And then it just goes from there. But I don't look at the numbers because for me, the podcast is a sacred space of learning for me. Wow. And if other people can learn these lessons too, then that's great. Wow. And the Lord will do with it what he wants. And whenever he tells me to stop, then I'll stop. But that's that. So that's that element. And then the Enneagram coaching the Lord is like, girl, we're doing this. And I'm like, but are we sure? And he's like, yes, we are like, (laughs) like stop. And I'm like, but are we sure? And he's like, yes, we are sure. So, but you know, the second that he tells me pivot change, I have to be able to do that or else I'm going to lose him. Like you said, it's not leaving him, but it's leaving him. Yeah. Um, so question around that, because I feel like this is about your faith, really. Um, you have obviously, through time, developed an ability to hear the Lord very clearly mm. and very personally. Mm-hmm. So tell me, how did you first hear the Lord? And then how have you learned to discern when he's speaking to you? And like, how would you tell someone? That's like four questions. How would you no, tell that's someone perfect. else who's never listen to the Holy Spirit before or never try to listen to the Spirit's will for their life, how would you tell them to it's start trying? Yeah, it's the perfect question because it's one of the biggest elements in Don't Date a Boo Boo Dude that I um, 
want to talk more about, like I want more people to know about it. I want everybody to know about the throne room because that is where I communicate with the Lord. So the throne room, this is the place that I encountered the Lord right after the breakup that broke me. And this is the place that I was able to let shame go and I was able to Mm. walk in freedom. And that changed everything for me when it came to hearing the Lord and then actually doing what he says to do, because I think there's a difference whenever you hear him and then you don't do anything or when you hear him and you actually do it. So Mm -hmm. the throne room is a visual, I'm a visual learner. So the throne room is just visual prayer. And I literally just imagine myself in the presence of God. And I'm like, all right, like here I am. And, and the thing that always happens because God is faithful to meet you where you are is that something always happens. And it's not stuff that I would normally do or think or say, or like, you know, the first time that I ever went in there, which is the thing that's so impactful is like, I went in and this is all just visual. This is all just in my imagination. Yes, but yes. I walk in with this like cloak of, it looked like lint, like a blanket of lint all tied like around like a cape. And then a halo of like shrapnel and debris and like sharp, gross stuff. Okay. I don't know where this came from. So I walk into the throne room, like my gaze down covered in debris and lint and just gross, dirty stuff. And the Lord knelt in front of me and untied the cape and let it fall to the ground and took off that halo of debris and shrapnel and replaced it with a gold halo and was like, no, you're mine. You're chosen. You don't have to walk in shame anymore. Period. And from that moment on, I was like, okay, this is where I meet with the Lord. So sometimes I'll be dancing in his presence. Sometimes he'll just pick me up, scoop me up and hug me. Sometimes he'll scoop me up and elevate me. And like, I don't even know what that necessarily means, but it's always a great feeling. And then um, one time I remember I had my gifts, like I had these gifts in my hands and they represented the giftings that he had given me. And I walked in the throne room with them behind my back. And I was like, I, I want to keep these like a kid. And honestly, whenever I go into the throne room, I almost take that position like a child. Yes. And I, I held them behind my back and he kind of looked at me like, what you going to do with those? <laughs> what you got there? You're you going to keep them there? Yeah. Or are you going to, you're going to do something with them? And I remember the, <laughs> the act of obedience was me taking them out from behind my back and just handing them to him and being like, okay, I'm going to surrender these to you. And all it is, is visual prayer for me. And that is how I I know. I'm blown away because you had no possible way of knowing. And I had no possible way of knowing when I asked you to help me in this journey, that that's exactly what God has been highlighting to me is visual prayer. Oh, yeah. I've called it imaginative prayer because that's the way that someone said it to me. Sure. And I love how you're talking about the throne room. I've, I've never heard that concept before in that way. And I literally brought this up with my counselor yesterday. I was like, look, I wrote, I felt like I heard the Lord give me like an imaginative prayer exercise, kind of like you're describing, like go into a yeah. throne room. And I did it with a group of young adults last weekend. And this guy who I, I constantly tell myself lies about who I can and can't influence is something yeah. I'm working through. And I told myself like this big stoic white guy, like he will never be influenced by me. Um, yeah. 
he won't even do this thing. But we like bowed our heads to do this prayer exercise. And he was the one that got ripped up. He was weeping in front of everyone. And no one knew how to interact mm-hmm. with it. Because like guys don't always get a place to cry. Yeah. And he was like, I kind of thought your exercise was going to be stupid. But I'm willing to listen to God. And Jesus like went into his apartment. He was pretend- like he was so comfortable. He didn't want to follow Jesus. Jesus took his hand walked him outside the door and started knocking on the door of every apartment in his apartment complex. Wow. And he was like, the Lord just commissioned me. And he was just like weeping. Oh, that's that's how it works. Like, that's why the Lord is so faithful to meet you where you are. He was in that apartment and like, my gosh, that that's his comfort and safe place. And the Lord's like, okay, I'll come to you. Yes. Yeah. Like, and so gentle and so kind. And then the fact that Jesus was the one knocking, like he wasn't like, put your arm up. Like he wasn't an authoritarian God. He was like, come with me. I'm doing it too. So did someone tell you about the throne room or how did you first learn about it? (laughs) I think I, I think if I remember correctly, I remember because I was in so much grief I remember saying, okay, Lord, like I have known about you my whole life, but I need you to show me you. Like I need to see you mm-hmm. because I am so limited in my human belief. And it was that mm-hmm. prayer of like, help me with my unbelief because mm-hmm. I really don't feel like you're faithful right now. I really feel like you ripped the rug out from under me right now. And um, I feel like it was in worship, like I was in worship at church and that was whenever wow. that happened. And from that moment on, I was like, okay, this is where we meet. This is our secret place. This wow. is so I could just close my eyes and go into the throne room every every day or like whenever. And it's not this like I actually I have my mentees do the throne room every time we have a any Obsessed. mentorship. Um because it's not this, it doesn't have to be like 10 minutes, an hour. It can be literally sure. 30 seconds, exactly. three seconds. It's not, it's not bound by time. So oh. I love that. And it's amazing. So one of the times I was leading a small group of 12th grade girls and we were at Mm. this camp or a conference. And during our small group time, I just put on a song and I was like, I cannot say anything that will make a greater impact than if we all just go into the throne room right now. So I had everybody close their eyes and I put on this song and I was like, there's this song is two to three minutes, just go into the throne room. And then let's talk about what happened after that. And that was our last meeting together. Um, I think, I think that was like the last one or maybe it was the last one in person or something and before COVID. And it was just so like, we were all bawling, crying, obviously. Um, But that was, I, I do it to this day. That was 10 years ago to 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. Wait, what, yeah. what year is it? 2013, 2023 <laughs> that happened. It happened in 2013. So wow. 10 years. Okay. Uh, yeah. My freshman year of college. <laughs> yeah. I was in college. Yeah. I was graduating college. Okay. So we're four years apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, yeah, was it, the so phone room. that is crazy because I literally said to my counselor yesterday, I felt like wait, I think this is an invitation God is inviting me to do this regularly because I'd had campus ministers like you were to your mentees, like lead me through it. Like imagine Jesus says this to you or does this, but this concept, I felt like the Lord was like, come to me every morning. And for me, it was like, it was like my grandparents yard or something. Yeah, It's different for everyone. I love it. Yeah. And it, it felt like he was like, come to me every morning and I'll tell you what to do that day. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's incredible. Thank you so much. This is, I feel like I want to talk to you for like eight more hours, but obviously <laughs> people want to listen for eight more hours. So no, no, I love it. I'm so thankful that you asked to, to have this conversation because I'm like, it helps me honestly think back to of, of those faith pillars that mm-hmm. I always try and write down faith pillars because whenever you're faith, Ooh. you start to doubt your faith, then you, you have written down the proof of your faith. And, um, and I think that it, just talking about it reminds me of my faith pillars and I'm just, I'm thankful to remember. I feel like throne room is a book one day. <laughs> I know throne that would be amazing. Room. That would be amazing. I'm working on one right now that, well, I'm working on the proposal for one right now that I think is going to be, I don't know. I think it's going to be the thing that I anchor my entire day-to-day life in, like the the lessons in it, you know, mm. but I haven't started the proposal yet. So I'm not even going to talk about it, but I'm just, I'm a little bit, it's a little bit abstract, but so is the thing, <laughs> you know, it's like abstract, but it's also like practical and you can do it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, I hope, was that even helpful? I'm like trying to think. I of- mean, yes. I mean, I will say like, I feel like the Lord is funny, right? Cause I reached out to you. I was so scared to message you by the way. I don't know why, but I was like, I want to so you. not scary. I know you're not. I don't know. It's the, you know, the enemy doesn't want us to yes, have of conversations. Course. So, yeah. um, but when I reached out, I didn't know what job I was going to have. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, I want to step yeah. out. I want to start writing all this, but I don't know what's happening. And, and even like being married and not knowing like when we're going to have kids and what that process is like. Yeah. Um, all those questions. I was like, I just need someone a little bit older along the way. I can ask some questions too. Of course. And, uh, since then the Lord has come through and put a job in my lap. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so I feel like a little more settled anyway, but I think this is also just confirmation. Everything that you've shared and feels like confirmation, even like ending on imaginative prayer, like for you, the throne room. Yeah. That's blowing my mind. My mind yeah. is blown. Yeah. I know. Isn't it wild how he like brings things around and it's just like, and I don't know, he's, he's a, he's a confirmer. I appreciate that about him. I'm like, he's like, if you didn't hear me the first time, I'm going to tell you again and again and again. And that's what I think that heart tug is, is like, no, I'm just reminding you. I'm just reminding you one more time. I'm just reminding you. So whatever that heart tug is, I think the, to wrap it up and circle it back to the beginning is follow the heart tug, but know that you can do that in tandem with your day-to-day life. You know, and that doesn't have to be on this grand scale. I think I used to think if I could, re- if I needed to, if I wanted to reach people for Jesus, I need mm-hmm. to have a hundred thousand Instagram followers, 50,000 people on my email list. And mm. guess what? That's just not true. That is That's such cool. a world society made yeah. lie. Whenever I literally was pumping gas the other day and the Lord said, go give that girl your book that she don't, she'll know me. She, not one she don't follow me on instagram not from adam she don't no not from adam. and you know what that probably i might be scary in that circumstance because it's like a stranger approaching me what the heck is going on but i also want to say for anyone who has dm me to ask some questions along these lines i feel like the reason that it's so hard to have these conversations in dms is because a there's nuance and yep. b I it's a, what an hour long conversation. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, and and we scratch the surface. 
Yeah. And I usually am opening these whenever I'm like finally getting a chance to breathe and like lay down. So sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to send you a quick voice memo, but it doesn't always, I think, do it justice. But anyway, (laughs) all of that to say, oh, Uh, let me tell you these last two things as because I think that this is something that I've learned recently that I've, I just want everyone to yes consider when it comes to, to life is the thing that I am doing and I've been doing for the last few years is take nothing personally and, oh wait, there's one other thing. Take nothing personally, even if it is personal, even if, yeah. it's, even if someone's trying to slight you, don't take it that way. Because that's stealing your peace and you don't even need that. And who cares? Like if they're doing something to personally hurt you, they're going to be hurt by that. Yeah. So take nothing personally. If I, if someone doesn't text me back, it's not personal. Even if it is, it's not to me. They were busy. <laughs> they had something to do. I, I love it. I'll ask again later. Because it is an action. Like it, I, as I'm hearing you talk about that, I didn't realize that taking something personally is an action. Like I'm yeah. taking and making yeah. it. the verb. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just not taking anymore. <laughs> I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it personally. Like one of my friends was in town and then she was supposed to leave town. But then the next morning she was like, Hey, do you want to go get coffee? And I was talking to her sister and her sister was like, she really was going to leave town. I didn't lie to you. And I was like, didn't lie to me. I didn't think you lied to me. I just thought it ch- plans changed. So be flexible and take nothing personal. Love and like you will just live in so much more peace. Nothing is personal, literally nothing. Period. <laughs> I don't know. We'll I think stop. That, we'll stop. I, it's not I personal. That, yeah, that's the that, tote bag. That's the tote bag. It's not personal. <laughs> it's not personal, <laughs> truly. Because half the time we do operate in good intentions. Mm. And well, I like to say over half the time, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, if we can just if we can just assume people are doing their best, you will just not you won't be so tied up. And you'll be able to listen to the Lord more clearly. And then you'll be able to serve your people better. And that's it. That was the best marriage advice I ever got from my, my um, aunt in loves, my aunt in laws uh, at the shower was assume that he has a hundred percent good intentions all the time. Just assume that his intentions are good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is definitely good advice. That's that's life advice. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Thank you you so much. much for asking these questions that I didn't even know that I was so excited to answer. I went off. I went off to chat GBT there about halfway down the board. I don't think chat GBT was asking about the spirit in any. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, chat yeah. GBT, tell me about the throne room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you so, so much for spending time with us today and hanging out here on wild confidence. I hope that you feel encouraged and ready to tackle the day, feeling even more confident than you did before you started listening. I'd be so thankful if you left a review or shared this episode with a friend and I'll see you soon. Oh, don't forget, let's connect on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Ainsley B and I hope to meet you there.